Thank you, Robin. So, as many of you may know me, my name is Chad Cook. I am born and raised in Lockney, so please don't hold that against me. Uh, been around for quite a bit of time now. I have um, been working with the youth or youth minister over at the First Baptist Church in Lockney for about 16, 15, 16 years now. And, um, oh, I guess in 2013, we began to, to just feel the calling. We had some students that, that they were really interested in doing some international missions, and we had done a lot of local mission work. We had done just a lot of different kind of things, and they were just, they were very interested in international missions. And so, through a connection that my wife had with um, the missionary that's down there in Panama, uh, we were able to contact them and begin to talk to them and, and get that set up and, and go to Panama. So what, what's completely different now, we've, this was our third trip there. So when, when 2013, we showed up and uh, we were clueless. Uh, we, we had done all of our homework as a team. You know, we had every month we had had team meetings and we had researched Panamanian food and and all that, but we truly didn't understand what missions, international missions truly were. And we showed up and the missionary, Tim, he had just been back on furlough. He had just gotten back like two weeks before we showed up. And he was like, well, we're working. We had some other plans, but Panama, the government, they control where you get to go when it comes considered orphanages or schools or something like that. And we got denied all that, so we went and worked in the trash grounds. And we worked with a group of people that lived in the trash grounds. They worked for that, that industry, and so that's just where their lives were. And what a humbling experience that was. Uh, you know, to sit there and wait on, wait, work, wait on a water truck to show up for drinking water. Panama has plenty of water, but where they were living at, it was dirt put on top of trash, and so you couldn't drill for water. You couldn't... You know, it wasn't safe to drink out of the rivers and the creeks that were running by just because of all the contamination. And, and to see the herd as these people were just waiting, sometimes the water truck would show up, sometimes the water truck would not. Uh, the second time we went, about four years later, went way outside of the city. I mean, we were kind of rural, and I, that, that was cool. Because being, you know, from a small town, not being in the big town of Panama City, and Panama City is what you would expect a big city to be like. If I was to go to New York, I guarantee you, New York and Panama City with the traffic and the amount of people and all the hustle and bustle would probably be very similar to what Panama City, the city, was like. And so we go, to, you know, about two years ago, in 2017, we go outside of town and, and we spend some time there and um, worked in the rural, rural areas and with the schools, and, and that was always a neat, neat deal. So when we began to prepare again, uh, we contact Tim, Tim Louderback, the missionary, and he said, Chad, we're doing something different now. And so they have started a deal, the International Mission Board, and I'm sure you're all somewhat familiar with that. Your Lottie Moon offering goes toward that. So when we talk about Tim Louderback, oh, those offerings that we take up during Christmas, that goes to fund his housing. That goes to fund his ministry. I always laugh. We hop in his van, and he's like, this is my Lottie Moon van. <laughs> Don't you like it? Uh, always, always really talking big about those offerings and the effects that they have on there. But Tim said, we're, we're looking at doing something a little bit different than, you know, the last few times we've came. And, and so the International Mission Board and Tim Louderback, the driver of this bus, they have came up to a deal that's called America's Connect. 
Because what Tim said, he said it's great. He said groups like to come to Panama. You know, groups like it's sort of a big, cool thing to do right now. Youth groups, church groups, they like to come. They like to do international missions. They're there for a week, and they're great help to, to those guys during that week. But then they leave, and then another group comes in, and, and it's almost burdensome on the missionary because they're having to almost entertain to a sense. And so Tim and um, David Platt, I'm going to throw a name out there if you're familiar with, with that name. He was president of the International Mission Board for a while. You may have done some of his Bible studies, a very, very interesting young man. So he, Tim and David Platt came up to this, this plan, and I always laugh, me and Katie, I said we were part of that deal. Because Tim was in Lotney, Texas when he took the conference call with David Platt sitting in my pickup, and we got to hear this dream get invented. So in what America Connect is, is you contact the International Mission Board, and they kind of just set the whole trip up. And so what Tim does, and I was asking him, so what, what's your plan for the future? So, so some of the things that Robin talked about, the English second language, he will have a meeting later on this summer, and he, or kind of into the fall, maybe the winter, and, and he will sit down with all of his churches in Panama, and he'll say, what is your needs? And they will develop a need. They will say, this is what we need. So for instance, the church Radon that we were at, they came a year ago and they said, we have a need to teach, teach English as a second language. The whole country of Panama, I don't know if it's because the president of Panama is a UT graduate, if that's where the push is coming from, but the whole country of Panama their desire is that every individual that in Panama will be bilingual. Panama is very, they, they put a lot of importance on the education of their students. They put a lot of importance on feathering the individuals for jobs. And so what you look at, because the canal is in Panama, so what you look at is a lot of corporations move to Panama because the canal's right there. It's easier to get cargo. It's easier to get stuff because of taxes and all sorts of other reasons. Panama is a huge drawer. It's a huge country for industries. So the president of Panama is looking at this thing, and he's saying, if my people can be bilingual, and Panama will pay for them to come to the United States and get a four-year college degree as long as they promise to come back and spend five years in Panama working. So if we educate them before they leave the U Panama, we send them to the U.S. and we get them an education, they come back, they're going to get any job they need or any job that they want. And so this church is looking out into their community and they're saying, what is the one thing that we can do to help the people in our community? And teaching English is it. So that was sort of the main driver. That was the, sort of the main thing that we led to as we looked at um, the missions or the ministries that we did. The English second language was kind of the key thing. And so as we continue to pray for next year, Tim said, who knows what next year is going to be? It may be a different church doing the same thing. It may be something else, a, mission, a ministry that we don't know about yet that a church may identify as this is a ministry that needs to happen. One of the key things of why America Connect, and I'm getting way off of what I had planned on talking here, so we may backtrack a little. One of the key things that um, the reasons for America's Connect, Tim said, you bring these teams in, and they're great, they're good people, and they do great work while they're here, but then they go back home, and they just talk about, oh, our time in Panama. 
The world loves going overseas to do missions. And the IMB's biggest push is, you need to be doing missions at home. And we're going to show you some different things that you could be doing, that you could be doing in Panama, but you also can be doing in Lotney and Florida, of Texas. Little things, and it's amazing the little things that since we've been back, me and my wife have just brainstormed about, and we're like, we never even thought about this. But this is a very simple thing that, you know, we could be doing right here to help our people. You know, the, the America's Connects, the whole driving force behind that is, yeah, going across seas is great, but you need to really be focused on what's happening in your own backyard. Let's get people reaching people that they come across in contact with every day. Then they can come back overseas. Then they can do all of that. It's great. Overseas missions is great. Nothing to, to, to put that down at all. But, but how do you minister this at home? Uh, a few things I need to say before we really start keep getting into this. I do want to thank the Florida Sewing Club, Sue. I saw you earlier. There she is. Thank you. They, um, they had some dresses made up for us, and we took over with them. And um, we were able to deliver those to the orphanage and, and help with those kids that were at the orphanage. Um, also, just want to thank your church for your prayers. Uh, you know, without prayer, I promise you, none of this could be possible. And, and we truly appreciate all the prayers that, that you've given us. Uh, let's have a quick word of prayer, and then we're going to get into the word for today. Holy Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning. Father, we thank you for this church. We thank you for the calling that you have put upon this church. And Father, we just pray that you will just, at this time, just ease our minds, open our hearts, that we can receive the word that you desire for us to see. That Father, we truly trust and believe that your word can transform hearts. And Father, my prayer this morning is, as we begin to look into to your calling and your word, that, Father, that you will begin to speak into the hearts of each and every one that is here, and that, Father, that you, will, that you will show us your path and your direction that you have desired for each and every one of us. We praise you and we thank you. It's in your name we do pray. Amen. So back in the early 1800s, there was a guy by the name of Charles Blondine. Not sure if any of you are familiar with Charles Blondine. He was at the time one of the most popular, one of the most famous persons there ever was. The great Blondine, he was from France and he was a tightrope walker. In the days of Barnum and Ringley and all the, the circus acts that were taking place, Charles Blondine was the best of the best. He would get on that tightrope and they'd put a blindfold on him and he would walk across. He would put stilts on and do flips on the tightrope, 100 feet up in the air. Charles Blondine at one time took a stool, a stool and a little of a skillet and, a, and some eggs and sat up there on the tightrope and made his breakfast while he communicated with the crowds that were cheering his name. One of his biggest accomplishments was his, his things that he did over Niagara Falls. And as he, as he took a wheelbarrow and wheeled a wheelbarrow on the tightrope, carrying different things. And with Charles Blondie, that time at Niagara Falls, when he would get to the end, he would scream out to the crowd, Who is the greatest that is here? And the crowd would go wild. 
the great Blondine, you are the greatest. And he would go back across the rope doing flips and doing his act, and he would get to the other side. How many of you believe that there's no other person in this world any better than Charles Blondine? And the world, the crowds went nuts. I mean, they're cheering and they're yelling. And he'd do his act again. And about the third or fourth time, he gets to the end. And he's got the crowd in a frenzy. And he says, you think that Charles Blondine is the greatest one in the world? I now ask for a volunteer. Who wants to climb up this pole and hop on my back and go across the rope? And the crowd went silent. As they all begin to shuffle backwards, as they all begin to disappear, a man by the name of Harry Cochard, Charles Blondie's agent, he raises his hand and he says, I trust you, great Blondine. And as he crawled up that pole, hopped on his back, Blondie carried him across the ropes with no problem. I tell you this story because many a times this is how we are when it comes to missions. Oh, we're excited about the things that are going on. We're excited about things that could happen. We want to do great things. But yet when it comes time for our name to be called out, we quietly step aside. I truly believe that day, whenever Blondine cried that out, there was probably more cakes left in the oven and people had to get back home than there ever was. There was more excuses probably given at that moment than you've ever heard. This morning, we're going to look at the different things, the three keys that could affect our ministry. And when we look at that, we're going to look into the book of Jonah. I love the book of Jonah. Many of us are very familiar with Jonah. We're familiar with the story probably of the great fish that God created to swallow Jonah up because of his disobedience. But we're going to look here and we're going to see what truly that disobedience costs, not only to Jonah but to a whole nation. It says here, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Ammonite, and said, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. God has called out Jonah's mission. And my friends, each and every one of us, I say this every time I get in a pulpit, our youth group, I, I said they probably are going to have this tattooed on their forehead when they get to be an adult. Every one of you are here for a purpose and a reason. God has a plan for you, he has a reason for you, and he has a desire for you to do what he's called you to do at this very moment. And Jonah's calling, Jonah's desire was go to the great city of Nineveh. My friends, when you begin to look at missions, and Robin shared a lot of the great things that we, that we did. She summarized it pretty well. As we went and we began to teach English, and I'm gonna be honest with you, I struggled with that part. When they broke us up in groups and they said, all right, here, here's your syllabus, and you're going to go and you're going to teach these people English, and I'm like, I don't teach. I don't know how to teach English. I can barely speak English. How in the world am I going to teach English? And I struggled with that because in my mind I had it perfected. This is how it has to happen, and I cannot make that happen the way that people like Robin and my wife 
and, and Amber and some of the teachers were probably able to do that. And so you see, I, I went into it with the mindset of this is going to be a struggle. And then when I began to visit with the individuals, I thought this is really going to be a struggle. Because the team before me came from Georgia. And the team before them was a colored church from Washington. And I'm thinking anything the Georgia folks taught them, man, I'm going to have to spend a whole week trying to fix that grammar. <laughs> and you look at, you look at, okay, how in the world are you bringing different teams across from the whole country, OUS, to come in? And I mean, there was an Asian group that came in, and there's Spanish group, and there's a colored group, and there's redneck group, and there's Lotney group. And it's like, how in the world are we going to blend this together and them actually learn English? You see, the key thing, the first key thing to have an effective ministry is you have to find the need. And the need at this time was to, try, was to teach them English. That was the draw. We, the first day we were, we were on, on site, we went, and we went downtown. We went to the, to the big part of Panama. We're out on the ocean, and that's where all the tourists go. And we spent an, two, three hours walking up and down the streets, just learning the culture, just learning what's going on, for we can learn how to meet the need while we are there. You see, we went and um, we, we handed out sandwiches and coffee on a night that it was pouring down rain. And I'm going to tell you, you know, I, I, me and my wife talk about this a lot, and I said, if it was to be raining like that in Lotney, there's no way I would have walked 10, 15 miles that night just out in the rain handing out coffee. But we did it because it met a need. We went over to the other side of the street and, and just a very few got to go over there and they ministered to prostitutes. Prostitution is legal in Panama. And so a group of people and one of them being Miss Panama had a heart to meet the need for those people that were out there on the street. And as you would imagine, in my mind, when I was told Miss Panama is joining us, I'm thinking, you know, this beautiful gal with perfect fingernails and the makeup unblemished, and she was that. But she was not afraid to roll her sleeves up and go out and love on those ladies that were making some very bad choices. I'll never forget the first thing she said to our group as she addressed our group. In all of her glamour, preparing for Miss Universe, she said, who are we to judge them because they sin differently than I do? Who are we to look down on their sin? As I begin to visit with her, she, her, and, and this other lady that's helping her from the church, she began to tell me, I think it was like 15 or 20 ladies just in the, this summer, have received Christ and been saved off the streets through that ministry. She saw the need, and she approached it. You see, as Jonah was being called to Nineveh, God said, there is a need. The problem is, in the second verse, Jonah says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed to Tarshish. You see, Jonah said, Nineveh is really not where I want to go. I want to go to Tarshish. And we have to be very careful when God shows us the need that we don't say we would rather go to this need. You know, one thing about Lockney, Texas, 
that has changed, and I'm sure Florida is pretty much the same way. The culture has changed a lot in Lotney. A lot of the people that were in Lotney at one time have moved to the big city. Farmers are not the, as big as what we once were in Lotney. A lot of our, our industry, a lot of our focus is now on the hospital and on our schools. And it's just a whole different attitude. It's a whole different look than what it was probably 20, 30 years ago. We have to be very careful, my friends, that whenever we get the calling from God to go meet a need, that we do what he's called us to do and not say, well, I would rather do this because this is what I'm more comfortable doing. Jonah said, I'm a whole lot more comfortable going down there to the guys in Tarshish because those are my friends. Those guys, I, I know what they're like. I, I, I know what they're doing with. Those guys in Nineveh, that's the bloodiest, that's the meanest, that's the cruelest, that's the ugliest group of people I've ever met. And God, you're going to save them, you're going to redeem them, and I don't want really any part of that because I'd rather see them be, be destroyed. And we have to be very careful that we do not develop the heart that Jonah developed toward Nineveh that that group really doesn't need your salvation because of the things that they have been doing. And so as we begin to look at the needs... We must understand, and one of the biggest challenges I think people see when they talk mission trips, they focus on the needs, but they don't focus on the evangelism. My friends, English second language is just what we say it is. It's English second language. Where it becomes a mission is when the story of Christ gets revealed to them. My friends, walking up and down the streets handing coffee and sandwiches to homeless people is just simply handing a sandwich to a homeless person until the name of Jesus is introduced. We must understand, my friends, there's a lot of good things that we can do as needs, but it's not missions until Jesus Christ is involved. It's not missions until you begin to share the story of Jesus. It's not missions until salvation is presented. And so that's the second thing we need to a key to an effective ministry is you must understand what evangelism is. In the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, chapter 1 and verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria. To the ends of the earth. You see, what happens is when a need becomes mission is when this right here, what Paul says, when the power of Christ enters into it. He said, you will receive power. You will be my witness. Then you go to the other parts of the world. We have to understand that we are being called to do more than just provide the event. We must provide the event and then share with them about who Jesus is. In Acts 8, we see the story of Philip. And as Philip was, was out there ministering to God, and all of a sudden, God sent him to the Ethiopian. And the Ethiopian in, ver Ethiopian in verse um, 31 says, How can I say, unless someone explains it to me, 
And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Philip had came up to this Ethiopian, and Philip said, Hey, what are you doing? What are you reading? And he said, I'm, I'm reading the Bible, but I don't understand it. And Philip says, Well, let me explain it to you. My friends, God is going to put you in the places to share Christ with those that he desires the, Christ, the story shared with. You must be open. You must be willing. You must be prepared to share that story. The third thing, really quickly, before we don't just get tied up in time, just a real quick side note, though. When we did the first thing Robin talked about our church visit in Panama, one of the first things Tim Latterback, a missionary, told me, he said, hey, you're good luck, good news for you. He said, they're turning the air conditioner on today, which Panama is constantly 98 degrees with 98% humidity, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 12 months out of the year. Uh, they're so close to the equator, their, their, their weather doesn't change. Um, he said, but good news to you, they're turning the air conditioner on for you guys today. And, and the preacher is cutting his sermon down about 15, 20 minutes. So instead of a two-hour sermon, hopefully it's going to be an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. Uh, we thought he was joking. He thought he was laughing. Uh, when the preacher got on his fourth sermon, I thought, yeah, we're going to be here two hours for sure. Uh, hopefully I will not keep you here this long this morning. Uh, but as you, you talk about, you meet the need, and then you bring evangelism in there. And the third thing is, then you begin discipleship. My friends, this is probably a part that I think churches struggle with, and churches do a very poor job many times with. We want to share Christ with them. But man, it just takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort to disciple them. It takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of effort to lead them down the right path. Cool story, real quick as we begin to look into this. Ever since the day that we, um, that we, we started going to Panama, we heard of a guy by the name of O'Neill. And O'Neill runs the transportation, pretty much all the buses, all the transportation for Panama. You want to talk about how God does some cool and amazing things. So he sends Tim and Tina Louderback. He says, I'm going to send you all to Panama, and you're going to be a missionary to Panama. And Tim gets to Panama, and he's thinking, okay, I'm here now. What do I do? And the first thing he thinks, well, let's have a little get-together. Let's just send out some invitations to, like, some professionals. Just try to get our name in the door. Let's just kind of get the word out. And so he kind of, he, he gets the word out through some of his churches. There's these two ladies who are singers. They, they show up, and they bring this guy by the name of O'Neill. And Tim said, I knew when O'Neill walked in the door, his personality and my personality, man, we, we just fit together like a hand in glove. And Tim said, it was by the end of the night, it was like my best friend is O'Neill. I said, how amazing. God said, okay, I'm going to send Tim Ladder back. I'm going to send you to Panama. And I'm going to ask you to go out and begin to mission to people. And what am I going to do? I'm going to send the head transportation guy to be your right-hand man. I'm going to make sure the guy that knows every nook and cranny of the whole country of Panama is right there with you at every step you take. And so O'Neill has been involved in all of our ministries. Finally, we finally got to meet O'Neill on this last trip. Had never met O'Neill, always heard of his name. He met us at the airport, got to meet O'Neill. The thing that stuck out about me about O'Neill... O'Neill's not a preacher. He runs the transportation. He's the bus guy. O'Neill has a stack of books that is printed up that is all about discipleship. 
And it's maps to different churches, depending on what part of the country you're living in. Here's a map to the churches closest to you. And O'Neill, his calling in life is discipleship. The last day, and you saw the picture of the beach, and the last day we get to go, and it's sort of a free time, and we go to a resort, and we, we play in the water and all that kind of stuff. And O'Neill wasn't able to make it on that trip. And, and before he left, the, the bus driver, he hands Louder back a book, and he said, hey, O'Neill wants you to give this to, and gave the guy's name. And didn't think much about it. Tim said, you want to hear a cool story? O'Neill got to go to the resort with us last, year, last week. And when we walked in, the security guy that's standing there, before O'Neill ever walked into the room, he led him to Christ. Before he ever went to the resort, before O'Neill ever decided, let's put it, you know, this is, this is break time. This is the time we're going to relax and put our feet in the water. Said O'Neill, O'Neill led him to Christ before he ever came in. And now, since he can't be here this week, he's asking me to drop this book off to him to help begin his discipleship. My friends, we need to make sure that we are discipling those who we are ministering to. As you look at the book of Jonah, and we see the story about Jonah, many of us, we, we know the story. Jonah said, no, I'm going to go to Tarshish, and he took off, and all of a sudden God said, no, I said, you're going to Nineveh. And, and they threw Jonah in the water, and I said, it's amazing how God had prepared this great giant fish. Can you imagine how many fishermen had been telling stories of how one of these days we're going to catch this great fish that God had prepared just for Jonah? We know how the story is when Jonah finally got to Nineveh. He walked out into the streets. He began to say, repent for your sins have came upon you and God is about to judge you. And the whole nation fell upon their face. And remember, Nineveh's not like, you know, just your any old town. They were the violent, they were the terrorists, they were the worst group of the time. And they fell on their face and they began to repent of their sins and they gave their heart over to God and God forgive them of their sins. And in the book of Jonah, it says there is a generation of Ninevites that are in heaven. You see, the biggest problem that happened is when Jonah went back up onto the mountain, and when Jonah was looking down and saying, I don't want no part of this, God. I told you they should have been judged. I told you that they should, they, they don't need, they don't need forgiveness for what they've done. I told you I don't have time to work with the Ninevites. And as he sat up there and he griped and complained, instead of discipling this group of people, they did not know how to pass the message down. And you turn to the book of Nahum. And Nahum the prophet, he is crying out to the city of Nineveh. And he says, the Lord's anger against Nineveh, the Lord is jealous and avenging God. And the Lord will take vengeance and is filled with wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes and his wrath against his enemies. And it's a, Nahum the prophet is prophesying to this group of people whose generation before received the salvation and are in heaven today, but they refused to tell those that were below them. They refused to share the story. And now here Nahum is saying God is about to destroy this city. Your chance of forgiveness has came. You're about to be destroyed. 
My friends, many a times we feel as a church, if we can get them into the building, we can check the box and say we've done our job. But as Christians, we have been called to disciple each and every one. The Bible says the older folks should be discipling the younger folks. Guys, we need to really take serious how we are discipling brothers and sisters in Christ. Because what a sad, sad story on the people of Nineveh. They were saved. They knew who God was. But they didn't tell the next generation. And because of that, that next generation was destroyed. I'd like to thank you guys for allowing me to come and speak this morning. I truly pray that God's word spoke to your heart today. I appreciate you sharing Robin with us, and I appreciate the prayers that you've had for our mission group. Um, my challenge is don't be afraid to step out. You know, one, one of the things in 2013 when that group of students came to me and said, Chad, let's go, let's go do something crazier than camp this year. And I'm like, okay, uh, what are you thinking? And, and we had been praying about this deal for a good while. And I said, one of my biggest regrets is that we didn't do this sooner. I, I wish we would have, would have started doing this many, many years ago. Guys, age is not a hinder to doing the work of God. doesn't matter if you're young or if you're old. The group that was in Panama before us were all 70, 75-year-olds. And um, Tim said we did get to go a little bit slower that week, but we still got the work done that needed to be worked. Guys, truly ask God what he's calling you to do in your life. Everybody in this room, you're here for a purpose and a reason. God didn't create you just to fill a pew and just to show up on a Sunday. God didn't create you just to go on with your life and do the career that you wanted you to do. God's called each and every one of us to be a vessel for him. And my challenge to you is to be obedient to that calling. Don't run off to Tarshish when he's calling you to go to Nineveh. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Father, we thank you for the blessings that you continually give us. Lord, we just pray for this church. We pray for its missions. And we pray for its ministries. And Father, we just ask that, that God, that you truly speak in our hearts right now. And that, Father, that you truly reveal to each and every one of us the calling that you have in our life. It is in your holy name we pray. Amen.